Hello and welcome to Snow Crash Radio for the week of January 8th. I'm Jonah Meadows and on this week in review edition of Snow Crash Radio, we are rewinding and listening back to the first week of the year 2017 in the world of technology and power. We're going to hear a little bit later from a former IT auditor who examined weaknesses in computer systems in executive branch agencies in the government. And he thinks partisan battles over cybersecurity are leaving the United States vulnerable and letting the hackers win. Here's a little bit of Daniel Castro, the vice president of the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. The intelligence community, if they discover a vulnerability in software or a computer system, they won't necessarily report that to the vendor because they want to preserve the ability to exploit that vulnerability on a foreign adversary, even though that means U.S. interests are also exposed. More of that later, but first, there's really just one big story this week in the world of cyber and cyber warfare. In both the technology side and the politics side, at least to me, and that story is bear attacks. There is a bear in the woods. For some people, the bear is easy to see. Cozy bear, fancy bear, grizzly step. Some people say the bear is tame. Others say it's vicious and dangerous. Since no one can really be sure who's right, isn't it smart to be as strong as the bear? If there is a bear. Yes, I had to do it. Russian hacking, that's what I'm talking about. That was a Ronald Reagan campaign ad from more than 30 years ago. All those earth sign names, Cozy Bear, Grizzly Step, those are courtesy of the U.S. federal government. Names that uh, law enforcement and intelligence agencies have been giving to these Russian government-backed cyber spy rings. Last week, there had already been a series of new official statements by the government about Russian interference in the 2016 election. And then this week, there were more, and we'll go through some of them. Bits of information dribbling out here and there, and a few declassified reports, summaries of reports, and so on. But the first week of 2017 started out with the Washington Post falsely suggesting this Russian hacking operation, which had been given the name Grizzly Step by the U.S. government, was actively attacking the U.S. power grid in Vermont. It wasn't, but the story certainly did manage to add to the general confusion about Russian hacking. The Russian hackers targeted an electric company in Vermont. The Department of Homeland Security alerted Burlington Electric about Russian hackers and their codes linked to some recent political breaches. And after the alert, the utility company says they found the very same malware in a company laptop computer, which was fortunately not connected to the grid. That was a bit of a report from CBS WBZ in Boston. Then on Tuesday, at the White House press briefing, Obama's press secretary, Josh Earnest, he gets asked by John Carl of ABC why the Chinese hack of the Office of Personnel Management, why that was treated so much differently than the Russian hack of the DNC and the Democratic candidate's campaign manager. Worth listening to all of this. It's a little bit long, but have a listen. So when the Chinese hacked OPM uh, in 2015, 21-plus million current and former government employees and contractors had their personal records stolen 
by the Chinese. Why did the White House do nothing publicly in reaction to that hack, which in some ways was even more widespread than what we saw here from the Russians? Well, I think that what we've seen is that these are two cyber incidents that are malicious in nature, but materially different. Um, 21 million people had their personal data taken. Fingerprints, uh, social security numbers, background checks. I mean, this was a a far-reaching... I'm not downplaying the significance of it. I'm just saying that it's different than uh, seeking to interfere uh, in the uh, conduct of uh, a U.S. national election. Uh, I can't speak to the steps that have been taken by the United States uh, in response to uh, that Chinese malicious cyber activity. But but Um, nothing was announced. There was not a single step announced by the White House uh, in response to that. That is true that there was no public announcement about our response, but I can't speak to what response may have been initiated uh, in private. But no diplomats expelled, no compounds shut down, no sanctions imposed, correct? Uh, Well, again, I, I, I can't speak to... You don't do that stuff secretly. I mean, that's well. Certainly, when it comes to the diplomats, um, that's right. There are there are no diplomats PNG. That's something that we would announce publicly. Uh, but look, I, I I can't speak to uh, the response because, as you pointed out, that's not something that we have announced. It certainly is something that we take seriously. Uh, it's certainly that the president has raised directly with uh, his Chinese counterpart, and we certainly have seen commitments from the Chinese uh, with regard to some norms in cyberspace that we would like to see them observe. For example, we did see the Chinese president commit in the Rose Garden in the fall of 2015 that Russia would, or that, that China would not be engaged in the kind of cyber-enabled theft for commercial gain uh, that's sponsored by, uh, by national governments. Uh, so that represents some progress, and that does represent the protection of uh, U.S. Uh, commercial interests uh, here in the United States, and that certainly is an important step, an important part of establishing some of these rules of the road that will allow uh, the international community to resolve uh, how to limit the malicious behavior of some actors in cyberspace. And for a bit of context on this, uh, the direct accusation that the Russian government directed cyber attacks against the U.S. electoral system, it's a really new phenomenon uh, calling out governments for this. O- only a couple years ago, after Sony, Sony Pictures Entertainment, had their network completely owned by hackers. That was the first time U.S. officials had blamed any government when they blamed North Korea for that in in an official capacity. The first time the U.S. had ever sanctioned a national government for a cyber attack. And the Chinese hack of OPM took place just a little bit after the Sony hack. So anyway, back to John Carl of ABC questioning White House Press Secretary Josh Earnest on Tuesday. You see how there's just this widely different response. I mean, with, with the Russians, which of course is very politically charged, the White House takes this action, makes it public. With the Chinese, which was not so politically charged, but was absolutely a, as far-reaching a hack as we had ever seen uh, in this country, um, nothing. At least of at least of the government. Publicly. At least of the government, right? That there have been there are ample examples of other malicious cyber actors in the private sector. Ex- OPM hack. Exploiting the, 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 you know, personally identifiable information and uh, engaging in other wide-reaching malicious cyber activity. But look, I, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that somehow that's not important. What I'm just saying is that it's materially different 
than the kind of hack and leak strategy that we saw the Russians engage in to try to influence our democracy. That is significant. That's serious. And that explains the serious steps that, uh, that, uh, that President Obama has imposed uh, against the Russians in response. Uh, but with regard to the Chinese, we have made some progress with them uh, in trying to limit uh, the kind of malicious cyber activity that could uh, threaten U.S. interests, either in the United States or around the world, in our government or in the, in the private sector. Uh, and we're pleased with some of the progress that we've made. But there's no denying that the next administration uh, will assume uh, a significant burden in trying to craft a policy in cyberspace that effectively stands up to our adversaries and looks out for the interests of the American people. Also on Tuesday, the Daily Beast published a shocking report by Jonna Winter titled, Russians who hit DNC are using fake news to hack U.S. And it includes uh, some, some details about Russian government-linked hacking groups who were attaching malware-infected documents, PDFs, other documents, to fake news stories and then forwarding those around. Sourced to, quote, more than a dozen reports and warnings issued by the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, and other federal agencies over the last three years and reviewed by the Daily Beast. And also making the big news Tuesday, Tuesday night, Sean Hannity's staff busy over the long weekend putting together a full-hour interview with Julian Assange. And that consisted mainly of Sean Hannity and Julian Assange agreeing that Julian Assange is fantastic. Uh, here's a little bit of that. Well, this is an important point. Ten years, not one evidence where you've been proven wrong. Well, not even, not even one sustained allegation. Sean Hannity here had some, some really um, glowing praise for Mr. Assange. I've come to believe that you've done two things that have been extraordinarily helpful to the United States, and, and I think journalism in a way. One is you showed us that we do not have cybersecurity. You acknowledge that. And two, I think in this election in particular, you exposed a level of corruption that I, for 30 years on the radio as a conservative, knew existed. And I was shocked at the level of corruption, duplicity, dishonesty, manipulation. So there's a lot of good here. And here is uh, Julian Assange referring to WikiLeaks. Was it influential? Did it have a lot of influence? Uh, statistic statistically, yes. It it's, uh, uh, was the number one topic on Facebook throughout October. It's the number one topic uh, on Twitter, political topic, uh, also throughout October. But then also uh, when Julian Assange talks about WikiLeaks and we, it's pretty clear what he actually means. There is one person in the world uh, and I think it's actually only one who knows exactly what is going on uh, with our publications, uh, and that's me. And uh, Assange had this to say about the Obama administration's policy towards whistleblowers. This is the end of national security journalism. This is, this is the end of investigative journalism. If journalists can't say, hey, we heard, we heard a rumor, we heard a rumor that there was uh, some journalists killed in a drone strike. Uh, do you know anything about that? And maybe a source says, yeah, actually, I heard about that as well. And then you go, can you prove it? But, but America, if you go back to Woodward and Bernstein, and you go back to Watergate, 
Okay, they had a source. It was called Deep Throat. Big source. It wasn't revealed until the person died. Under the Obama administration, Deep Throat, that Woodman Bernstein would have been prosecuted. So that happened Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, Senate Democrats, led by Dianne Feinstein of California, uh, they bring forward legislation to set up a new independent commission to investigate the Russian interference. Uh, she says that an attack against our election system is an attack on our very way of life and must not go unchallenged. Uh, Paul Ryan was on Hugh Hewitt's radio show. Then let me ask you what your opinion is of Julian Assange. I really have none other than I think the guy is a sycophant for um, uh, Russia. He, he, he um, leaks, he uh, steals data and, um, and compromises national security. President-elect Trump retweeted the Hannity interview, and he also added this uh, from Twitter, read by an actor. The dishonest media like saying that I'm in agreement with Julian Assange. Wrong. I simply state what he states. It is for the people to make up their own minds as to the truth. And the media likes to make it look like I'm against intelligence, when in fact, I am a big fan. And there was something else that caught my eye in this story on Wednesday. There's a piece from Michael Lee over at The Intercept, and it's titled, The U.S. Government Thinks Thousands of Russian Hackers May Be Reading My Blog. They aren't. And it's an analysis of the IP addresses. Those, those are the numbers that identify Internet connections. These IP addresses that were provided by the government's report into the Russian-sponsored so-called Grizzly Step hacking group. And this analysis finds that close to half of those addresses are from current or former Tor nodes. That means those are addresses that get recorded by users of the IP anonymizing routing service, Tor, the onion router, right? So the addresses that are being given out by the government as Russian hacking-linked addresses are actually uh, anonymous internet addresses that could be used by anyone. And Michael Lee writes in his piece on The Intercept that basically this means, quote, since nearly half of the IP addresses in the Grizzly Step report are actually just Tor exit nodes, this means that anyone in the world, not just Russian hackers, can use the internet from these IP addresses. So that just introduces more doubt into the government's case about how much they know about the Russian hacking operation and how much they know about Russian interference in the 2016 election. So the next day, Thursday... The Senate Armed Service Committee holds hearings into Russian election year hacking. Here's a little bit of that. The best defense is for our public to know what's going on so they can take it with a grain of salt. Senator Angus King, Republican of Maine. We're not going to be able to prevent this altogether, but we need to have our people understand that when they're being manipulated. Some top intelligence officials testifying, including... James Clapper, who famously lied to Congress about the NSA's domestic surveillance a few years ago. Uh, he's since apologized for that. Here he is with a, with a bit of an ominous warning for the senators. As I say, uh, people who live in glass houses need, need to think about throwing rocks because uh, this, this was an act of espionage. And, you know, we and other nations conduct similar acts of espionage. So if we're going to punish each other for, uh, for acts of espionage, that's, uh, that's a different policy issue. But uh, the Republicans, like Lindsey Graham, they want to get tough. So to those of you who want to throw rocks, 
you're going to get a chance here soon. And if we don't throw rocks, we're going to make a huge mistake. There was an interesting statement here from Admiral Mike Rogers, who we could well be seeing more of during the Trump administration in a reorganized intelligence security complex. Here, he lists his worries for the future. This is sort of his concerns based on what's happened with the Russian. In no particular order. Significant extraction of information and insight that is generating economic advantage for others. That is eroding operational advantage at times for us as a nation. That is, as you have seen in this Russian piece, where not just the extraction, but then the use of this information adds a whole nother dimension. And what concerns me beyond all that is what happens as we start to move in an environment in which not only is information being, I've heard some people use the phrase weaponized, what happens when now we start people, we see people suddenly manipulating our network so we can't believe the data that we're looking at? That would be a real fundamental game changer to me. And to me, it's only a question of the when, not the if this is going to happen. And what happens when the non-state actor decides that cyber offers an asymmetric advantage to them? Because their sense of risk and their willingness to destroy the status quo is significantly different and greater than your typical nation state. Also on Thursday, this from NBC. The U.S. has identified the Russian actors who turned over stolen Democratic material to WikiLeaks. So NBC gets this leak from a federal official. Donald Trump calls them out. How did NBC get an exclusive look into the top secret report that Obama was presented? Who gave them this report and why? Politics. NBC's Thursday report also adds two top intelligence officials with direct knowledge told NBC that the report on Russian hacking also detailed Russian cyber attacks, not just against the DNC, also the White House, Joint Chiefs of Staff, State Department, and American corporations. And then on Friday, Trump actually meets with these intelligence agencies. He gets the classified version, and he puts out this public statement. From his staff, actually. His staff puts out this statement. There was absolutely no effect on the outcome of the election, including the fact that there was no tampering whatsoever with voting machines. There were attempts to hack the Republican National Committee, but the RNC had strong hacking defenses, and the hackers were unsuccessful. And he also gave a phone interview to the New York Times on Friday, And uh, he said, quote, I don't want countries to be hacking our country. They've hacked the White House. They've hacked Congress. We're like the hacking capital of the world. Also on Friday, you have the declassified report into Russian election year hacking. uh, And that says in the key judgments section, Vladimir Putin ordered an influence campaign in 2016, aimed at the U.S. presidential election. Russia's goals were to undermine public faith in the U.S. democratic process, denigrate Secretary Clinton, and harm her electability and potential presidency. We further assess Putin and the Russian government developed a clear preference for President-elect Trump. And in another bit of breaking news late Friday, 
Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson announced that election infrastructure was now a critical infrastructure subsector. Here's a little bit of his statement announcing that change, read by an actor. I have determined that election infrastructure in this country should be designated as a subsector of the existing government facilities critical infrastructure sector. Election infrastructure is vital to our national interests, and cyber attacks on this country are becoming more sophisticated. And bad cyber actors, ranging from nation states, cyber criminals, and hacktivists, are becoming more sophisticated and dangerous. And that brings us up to the weekend. So where are we now? Trump's spokesmen have said that he, quote, accepts U.S. intelligence assessments. You've got two narratives that are emerging here, distinct counter-realities. And one is that the Russian government has done a completely unprecedented thing. Here is Daniel Castro, former IT auditor for the Government Accountability Office, current vice president of the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. This is one of the most significant cyber attacks that the United States has ever seen from a foreign adversary. You know, the impact of the attack could be that it significantly influenced the election. And so it's an attack of a magnitude that we really haven't seen before. Nothing that's had this kind of national impact. And then there's this other idea, the counter idea expressed here by Donald Trump via Twitter, read by an actor. Gross negligence by the Democratic National Committee allowed hacking to take place. The Republican National Committee had strong defense. Trump basically says he's going to make cyber great again. He's going to strengthen our defenses. The Democrats were weak. The Republicans are going to be strong. Lindsey Graham disagrees with that. It's not like we're so much better at cybersecurity than Democrats. Right. Again, President-elect Trump on Twitter, read by an actor. Only reason the hacking of the poorly defended DNC is discussed is that the loss by the Dems was so big that they are totally embarrassed. So that's the position that Trump is taking. And, and the other reality, the one that's been adopted by most of the Democratic Party, much of the technocratic establishment, it's that the Russian election year hacking was unprecedented, really. And regardless of how damaging it was for the Democrats this year, it really exposed a clear vulnerability for the whole country. And now that that's been open, now that that's, that's out there, it's able to be exploited by other states and non-state actors. Here's Daniel Castro. Vice President of the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. The United States policy around cybersecurity has been very, very focused on this idea of cyber superiority. The idea that we are most secure when we can attack others and they can't attack us. And the problem that we see is that doesn't really work. There's no way to make foreign adversaries weaker without weakening ourselves. So when you're blaming foreign governments for cyber attacks, what happens if you make those accusations without proof? When the government says providing proof would compromise sources and methods that would compromise national security. Doesn't doesn't this feed into a long term problem? Look back. Take your pick from the very recent history. Guantanamo will be closed uh, no later than one year from now. America tried to work with the United Nations to address this threat because we wanted to resolve the issue peacefully. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. 
So you've already got this very limited public trust of powerful institutions and the facts and the reality that those institutions establish that they put out there. And that's given President-elect Trump a full toolbox of different ways to sow confusion, to spread uncertainty about who did what when, like the untruth is out there. Because as President-elect Trump says, The whole you know, age of computer has made it where nobody knows exactly what's going on. Which is why we will keep listening. But that is all for now. We will see where this goes next week. Snow Crash Radio is produced by me, Jonah Meadows, in Chicago. Music this week from Al Peters, The Effed Up Beat, Big Data, and Nine Inch Nails. Thanks to Daniel Castro, our guest this week. Thanks to Jonathan Sanders for reading Trump's tweets and Secretary Johnson's statement. You can find more information and get in touch at scradio.org or you can email me at info at scradio.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>